For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This summer, Sprite is bringing you the Live from the Label Tour, featuring live stream concerts from your favorite hip-hop artists, including Lotto, Saweetie, and Jack Harlow. Need a ticket? Just buy a Sprite bottle and scan the label. Scan three bottles and see three of this summer's hottest shows. We causing a commotion. Brought to you by Sprite. Get your ticket to Sprite's Live from the Label Tour when you purchase a 20-ounce Sprite or Sprite Zero Sugar at your nearest retailer. Copyright 2021, the Coca-Cola Company. All rights reserved. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And at Wiener Schnitzel, when life gives you sweet watermelons, delicious wild berries, and refreshing coconuts, you make three thirst-quenching, ice-cold southern lemonades in flavors that you can't resist. And when life gives you crispy bacon, grilled onions, and savory sauces from Texas, Kansas City, and Carolina, you make tasty barbecue dogs. So this summer, when life gives you cravings for deliciousness, head on over to Wiener Schnitzel and try our Tastes of Summer with barbecue dogs and southern lemonades today. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. listening to eagles brawl of the brawl network what's going on everybody first episode of bickering about the birds connor miles here co-host we also got my guy what's up tyler talk to him what's up man i'm uh i'm pumped to get this started by the way connor's got a really good professional voice we were just chatting it up for about five minutes before uh he's dropping f bombs and s word no i'm just playing but uh no i'm i'm, I'm excited to be here we are definitely going to we are definitely going to be dropping some <laughs> some bombs on this show it's it's no holding back we got it dude you it's we're, it's brotherly love team it's it's natural you have to you have to talk it's natural talk man i'm excited i'm excited to get this going um connor is the brains behind all this he uh he hit me up and and said he wanted to to get a legitimate um podcast out there and i feel honored to uh, be a part of it and i'm excited and i can't wait to talk shop with johnny too we got to get johnny on it so <clears throat> I'm, I'm pumped so basically i hit you up and i was like look the hot takes are annoying yeah let's talk about the birds let's just talk let's just have some good discussions there's some good eagles podcasts out there obviously though right. so it's a tough market to get into we got some bleeding green nation that I think has some good podcasts. Kiss and Soul do a great show. Schofield and Kids do a great show. Um, Inside the Birds, yeah. I like with Kathleen and Geoff. They do some great stuff. So, Mike K, we got to get Mike K some love. Mike K, yeah, Mike I'll K definitely get Mike K on here. He came yeah. on my last podcast, so I'll, I'll, I'll say something to him. But basically, it's just I'm tired of the hot takes, man. I'm tired of the hot takes. 
Let's just talk about the birds. Talk about have some good discussion. That's why I hit you up. That's why I hit Johnny up because Johnny watches film like I do. You do too. Underrated, underrated football analyst right there. I remember we talked about Jalen Rieger right away. Yeah. I was like, let's go, man. Let's, let's get this Jalen Rieger chain started. Let's go. Steve Smith Jr., but, bro. <laughs> I So I know you said that first. I feel like I thought it and then I didn't, wasn't confident in tweeting it. And then I finally did. And I was like, oh, Dan Tyler had it way before I did <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> He's he, a dog, dude. dude. He's a mix. He's a, I see so much, so much potential in him. Uh, Every- we'll have to get on that for other episodes because we got to keep it. Yeah. We got to keep it tight. Yeah, we got to keep strict. it good. That's, right. my, that's the one thing that people said to me was like, hey, when you make this podcast, don't make it as long as the other one. <laughs> yeah. So let's just start off right off with Jason Peters coming back to Philadelphia. A lot of people are talking about it. I don't think there's been a, like a there's been some discussions, but there hasn't been like a really good debate about it. And I, I'm thinking it's time to finally have the good debate, the pros and cons of it. So basically, where I am with it, I I would say bring him back at this point. Now the reasoning being, if you talked to me before the pandemic started, before coronavirus hit, and said what would you do at left tackle, I probably would have said roll with Andre Dillard. Gets a good offseason to finally take over. No, he's the guy. But when you go back and look at him last year, uh, it's just – especially in a year where you want Carson Wentz to stay healthy and not take a hit like he did against Javion Clowney in the playoffs and keep your quarterback upright. The, the stats – the number the, – the stats basically don't really say – because if you look at his numbers off the bat, he gave him four sacks, 17 hurries, uh, only had one penalty – when he started, but he, he played 283 snaps and 183 of those were pass blocking snaps. So in the grand scheme of things, that's a lot for that amount of snaps. Heck yeah. Now you go into an off season where his confidence was pretty much brutally shot when you put him at right tackle, which I think the Eagles have a tough time doing with young players. They shoot their confidence down. JJ, JJ, Arcega, Wyatt side, his confidence is completely shot. He came out, even questioned the coaches staff how they used him last year in that Spanish interview, Nelson Aguilar's confidence was shot. You have a delicate situation here where this guy's confidence is already shot. He was coming at the team for playing him at right tackle against Seattle. So it's from that standpoint, I think they're worried about that because of the draft capital they used on him and how he reacts to stuff. But I mean, this guy has a mouth on him. He already called out Mike Leach when he left the Mississippi state and uh, bashed him in a complete interview. So, you know, that Dillard's the kind of guy who's going to be outspoken and, and really say stuff, but you got to do what's best for the team. And, I mean, the guy had a 58 uh, – to be 59 pass uh, blocking grade from P- PFF last year. Jason Peters had 87, which is borderline elite in terms of uh, pro football focus. He only gave up three sacks in 562 snaps. The thing about Peters is the false starts, and they usually end up being drive killers. That's my issue with Peters at this point, but at least you know that he's not going to get the pressure – Sent to Carson once, so, and he had he gave up last sex than Dillard. So let me it, ask you. Let me ask you. So you're saying you're on board with bringing Peters back, right? Look, you have all Just this. Yes, or no? you, yes, yes. Because look at next year. Okay, look no, at no, next no, year. No. Hold on, real quick. Now, what is right, it? Go do? ahead. What yeah. does it do? So you just said that. I, I and by the way, I'm I'm right in the middle. I don't mind. They can they can not bring Peters back, and I'd be cool. I'd be cool with it. They could bring Peters back. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with it. But I know it's boring, but, but I think the biggest thing with bringing Peters back is going back to what you said about Dillard is he is an outspoken person. 
I've read reports about how the team isn't as high on him as they were him coming out. And I'm wondering if that's like, if him being pissed because Jason Peters can't finish a game and he's like, why am I not the starter? You guys traded up for me. I mean, these guys are competitive, right? And people forget that. They're like, oh my God, you know, like why, why is this guy complaining? Why is he like got a personality? It's like, these guys are athletes (laughs) and they've been been alphas their entire life. (laughs) And so it's, that's a good point. and, And when they're drafted, and trade it up for, and they 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 look at themselves as a luxury. It's kind of a, a tough pill to swallow for them to look over. And yes, you you did mention Jason Peters was good in pass protection, but the biggest thing is the false starts, and it is can you finish a game? And the inconsistency mm-hmm. of you know him being in and out of the lineup. He was much better this year than he was in 2018, um, but or mm-hmm. I should say last year. True. Um, but I I I'm in the middle only because. If you're stunting Dillard's development, then that is where and, – and again, I'm not there. I don't know. I don't see what he looks like in practice. I don't know what he looks like against Cox or Graham or Barnett. I don't know. Um, but I, I do understand his – if he was frustrated, if that's what the reports were getting at as far as him being unhappy or the team being lower on him. Um, I mean, I, I, we also saw potential. I, I saw Jimmy Kemsky's um, – his cut-ups at Dillard's, and it, it, it did hone in on the negative a lot, but I do think he also showed a, a, a shit ton of potential against guys like Khalil Mack. I mean, you don't just step in and, and you're just an average left tackle or right tackle and, and uh, can, can show the, the, the potential he showed. So um, I'm kind of in the middle on it. I just I – I need a plan, and they would – the front office would have to announce that to Dillard. You know, hey, we're going to bring Peters back. We're, you're the starter, but you know, what is the plan? You know, are is Dillard the starter and Peters as a guard? Unless Dillard gets hurt, what's the plan? I think, dude. Let's just be honest. He he passed Mike Leach publicly in an interview. He came out and questioned why they put him at right tackle. He wasn't prepared. He said he would not take this well. Like he said, it, it, he is actually he was traded up for. He used a first round pick on him. You you tell him next time, like, hey, we need another year from you. On the bench. <laughs> it's not – yeah, and you have to come in when Jason Peters gets off the field. I get it. Look, I I think that's the reason why they haven't brought Jason Peters back yet. I truly believe that's the reason why. The thing is, though, which he might have to accept no matter what you've been crying. I mean, Brandon Graham accepted his position when, when they kept pushing him down the depth chart. He was a first-round pick on him. Look – this pandemic happened, we're, who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Who knows who's going to get trained or not? I can trust Jason Peters to go into Doug Pierce's offense he's been in for years and start and play at a good level, and he looks good. Like yep. He still looks like a prime player in his prime. So I'm not worried about if he's going to be a bad left tackle or not. I'm, I know what I'm getting in him. I don't know what I'm getting in Dillard. Yeah. And, and, and we and don't want – and, and he wants to go down. That's a good point. And to your point, like if – hypothetically they say, Hey Dillard, we're going to bring Peters back. He's going to be the starter. Uh, you know, we're going to roll with it. You're the, the, the left tackle of our future. You know, you aren't, you're in our plans. We traded up for you. Yada, yada. If he's going to be high maintenance about it and make it a, a huge deal, then that, that's kind of a red flag. And let's the, the team. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure that's a player. One of my team. Exactly. Uh, like, yeah. If you can't take competition and let's be honest, you didn't you didn't come out and show us like hey we need to move on for Peters. 
it wasn't that cut and dry. There was a lot of bad plays left out there on the football field. Uh, I, yeah, that's a huge – and I mean, look, I like Dillard coming out of Washington State. I didn't think he'd be at the Eagles pick. Nobody did. Uh, I don't know. It's hard, man. I, I hate to tell you, but the transition from the Pac-12 to the NFL is tough. It absolutely, It's different. Absolutely. It's harder for them than it is for an SEC player. And I, so it, I mean, his biggest weakness is, is – it, it is push, right? You know, like he, he can right. pass protect, man. Like you could, you could set back and, and he can let a, a DN come to him and he'll, he'll be fine. Um, but him, him moving in the run game is going to be a thing. But I mean, I think it took Jason Peters a little bit to get to where he was too. Um, so it, it, like I said, I think there are a lot of variables that you and I don't see. We're not around the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple people who do have inside information DM me and, and say that, yo, this is legitimate. You know, this, this, this Dillard stuff is real. Um, there are actual concerns from the team. So who knows? There should be, dude. He, I mean, come on. Yeah. hundred percent. He came out, he came out and called them out and said like, dude, when you're with the Eagles, what's the number one thing they pre serve players? I would think that they do is versatility. Mm-hmm. Like if we need you at one spot, you need to play that spot. Look at what we did on defense with all the versatility we had to go through injuries. It happens. It's the NFL life happens. They always preach that stuff. And if you're going to come out and like bash them for playing you at right tackle, look, we get it. The, it, it wasn't the best idea, but they they know you're better than Big V. They want they were hoping you would show what you can do for them as a first-round pick and even then be more confident to move on with you than with Peters if you played well that spot. I just don't think he's ready. And, and look, his second offseason is probably going to be the biggest offseason of any rookie's career, especially when they look like that last year. It's tough for guys like him and J-Job with this thing going on right now to really make a, a, a big leap when we don't even know if there's going to be a training camp. Yeah. So it, that's the only reason why I bring Peters back. And look, you have Dillard on a three-year contract still after after this season. You know what, bro? When you pick up that fifth-year option. Are you so, are you a salesman? You just convinced me, dog. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> bring bring Peters back. I'm with it. No, but I mean, Not, I, I get the legit look. There's a, there's a, the reason why we're debating about it is because there is a two sided argument, like you said. That's why you're on the fence with both because you get you, you explain perfectly why you move on with Dillard. That's the reason why, but that's it, but it's, I it's mean, that it's really easy to trump my argument. And, and it is, we didn't draft you for the first two years, and and that's if Dillard's going to be frustrated because he might ride the pine again, bro. Get the fuck over it. <laughs> this is this the NFL. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the point. And, like, and we have a and, and like you mentioned too. This is Carson Wentz's team, bro. This is like I don't. This is Carson Wentz's team, and so like his protection is everything. So, I mean, yeah. And, if you have any type of doubts about Dillard not being able to be consistent, and again, I'm not there in practice. I think he showed enough for me. Uh, in games for him to adjust. I think repetition in that spot is going to be a lot for him. Um, but I'm not there. I don't see the breakdowns that he has in practice. I don't know what kind of guy he is. Um, Plus, Ben, if you're going to draft Jalen Hurts, you don't care if Andre Dillard's upset if you bring out Jason Straight Peters. the fuck up. Come on. Preach. Preach. Come on. Anybody, anybody, like, that doesn't matter. That's not what – you. the Eagles do what's best for the team. Yep. The On it – and before – because look – uh, James Palmer reported today that the Broncos, uh, the Eagles, I think it was the Redskins, and another team checked it on Peters. So, I mean, 
you keep letting him out there. The team that didn't make a move like a left tackle like the Broncos didn't. Make no mistake about it. Peters wants to be back, too. Oh, he like, does. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He wants the Eagles to make up their mind, though. Like, Yeah. They got to hurry up. Especially, but and, and you have to factor in, too, the, the virus and everything, the lockdown. These guys don't want to change scenery, especially a guy I, like look, him. Yeah. And I know Peters isn't going to sign for that much money yeah. if he comes back to the Eagles anyway, so I'm not worried about this from us that much. But I did some digging on their on their salary cap, and a lot of people are wrong about how much Eagles space ha- they have. They always look at the number that says, like, the first 51 players on the roster and say, oh, that's how much cap space they have. They actually only have $4 million. Four? Like, with every – yeah, with everybody on the roster, rookies, undrafted free agents, everybody added in, $4 million. So – Sheesh. And you got to bring Curry back, dude. And and next year is going to be tough. Like everybody's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so that's here's my point of bringing Peters back is next year you're going to be making the tough decisions where you got to say, hey, we got we got to get rid of a couple guys. Peters gives you a chance to best win the Super Bowl right now. You have all the speed you needed. The defense is a lot. I think the defense is going to be a lot better, uh, especially pass defense for sure. And we'll get into that in, in right a couple seconds. But there needs, yeah, you're right. There there needs to be a good blend of. Like, do we win now or are we kind of bracing for the future? But when you have a guy like Carson Wentz, you're paying him the money you are. The roster's deep. You, you're going in. You're trying to win this year. So right. if Dillard doesn't pan out or if he's struggling still in year two, then, yeah, you need you, – you can't just be like, ah, whatever, we'll just figure it out at left tackle. Like, no, that's a – it's a pretty damn important position. So that's exactly if he if he goes out there and struggles and they decide not to bring him back, Peters. That's that's another knock on Howie that he's gonna have to deal with from Eagles Twitter. Another knock. His burner's gonna have to see that. His burner's gonna have to look at that. Let's move on to quarterback two. Uh, a lot of talk. Who's gonna be playing opposite Darius Slay? I want to get into this first about why I think that's an overrated competition. A lot, dude. There's people on Twitter that are begging for Logan Ryan. Well, have you seen Logan Ryan? Look, Logan Ryan's a well-known name, but he played awful last year. He almost gave up. Th- he almost gave up a thousand yards. And so and he, he's only a slot corner. <laughs> yeah, he's probably not exactly. They got Roby Coleman. They have Maddox that everybody thinks is a slot anyway. Logan Ryan never. They made have sense. LeBlanc. Yeah. So look, the Prince, best Prince one of the Logan best Ryan signings made a little sense, but I still I'm on I'm with you. It it, it didn't make it. The cornerback two. Prince would have been the one that I would have said to do, but. It doesn't make sense. When, when, go ahead. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Well, I just told you about the money. So let me explain that so people – because people are like, wait, what is he talking about? Because I, th- I saw tweets that people even – that even the famous people were saying, like, well, the Eagles have this much in salary cap space. When you go on SwatTrack.com and you look at their uh, salary cap space in total now, with they factored in the draft and everything, it says they had $22 million in cap space with the first 51 players on the roster. When you – move a little bit over on the website <laughs> it says with everybody on the roster included four million so that's the reason why they weren't active in the cornerback two market they're going to go ahead and see what they have in maddox and really and jones if it doesn't work out then really quick i i have a curious question and i know this is mm-hmm. way off base and nothing you might get mad at me because this isn't anything your ac works overtime all summer so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters they recommend updating hvac filters at least every three months all year round so order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com let's clear the air we discussed before oh, that's fine go ahead do you think Alshon Jeffrey will be on the books starting 2019 or 2020? I don't think they have a choice now. I don't think they have a choice now. Hmm. I had Jimmy Kemsky on my other podcast 
And we were talking about that because I was like, you're always the one saying he's going to be gone. Like, he's out of here. What's going on now? It's just the, the Howie Roseman doesn't he, – he values his players, dude. Come on. He values his guys. He doesn't just give up on his guys. So if they weren't going to get anything for him in trade, they're not just going to kick him to the curb and take on that dead money, especially with what you said. The, the cap next year is screwed. They're going to have to move on some, from some key veterans next year and start over at some really positions that we weren't used to having turnover at. So if you would have asked me in December or January or right after the season, I would have said it's a damn no-brainer. He's not on the team. Um, right, so would I. But and, then, now, and then with the new CBA where you can kind of uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? You, you can kind of spread the money, the dead money across. Yeah, here. you can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that made, yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, that still means that they can cut Jeff. But the longer this shit goes on and the more I hear how we talk, and I grain of salt, grain of salt every time he talks, but – Bro, I, th- I think he's going to be on the fucking roster, and I'm kind of upset about it. <laughs> I think he, I think he's going to. I know I am upset about it too. Look, I I appreciate Alshon for 2017 great Super Bowl yeah. run, awesome everything. You. But I'll shake your hand you called out your quarterback. Yeah, I'm off. You went to the media. I'm off you. You talked behind. You did the number one no no in the locker room. Yeah. No 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 no. Don't mess with the team chemistry. You have your possession receivers, regardless. Then Ertz and Goddard. You got your speed now. Jackson's back. You traded for Goodwin. You got Hightower, you got Rieger. And you got you got everybody just pent up with aggression towards Josina Anderson, bro. Like Right. Yeah, it's it's a bad situation, but that ex- if dude, if it wasn't for the extension, he's gone. Right. If they if Howie just wouldn't give him that extension, so you're gonna have to uh, But at the, the at the time made. it's hard to critique Howie on that. It it really is because at the time it made it made sense. It was just but I mean, you don't. I mean, to... I wish he would start, and I think he is starting to now because of how he moved on with, from Malcolm Jenkins. I wish he would have listened to analytics on that because, come on, I, I love it and everything. But Alshon, you can guarantee he's going to get hurt every year. He's a, he's on the downside of his career for sure. You don't extend but, players like that. But I know I get it. Yes, at the time it made complete sense, yeah. especially from the wide receiver decision. Anyway, I just wish that they would take more analytics into it. But anyways, going into the cornerback, so. Yeah. The reason why I'm not that crazy about this competition because either Vontae Maddox or Sidney Jones wins, I'm so I'm not sure they're going to be the answer this year. Regardless, well, look, they're going to benefit from playing the team's like third best wide receiver at probably with Slay on the other side, who I think is going to have a great year. Uh, back with Jim Shorts, he's going to be playing not only just man coverage; he's going to be playing a mix of zone where he thrives in zone coverage. Uh, but the huge accusation that I got that they got this offseason that nobody really talks about. Nicole Roby Coleman, I love that move. When you had a slot corner in Patrick Robinson, it helped when you had corners like Jalen Mills and Robin Darby on the outside. And then Darby got hurt even that year during the Super Bowl run. So look how they survived with the, with the play that they had at nickel then. And now think of it now when you have a legit cornerback one who's going to probably, I would assume, I would hope at least, shadow your what number one wide receiver. And then you got Roby Coleman in the slot where we all know where the NFL is with the slot position now in this modern day of football. It's a passing league. There's a ton of guys that line up in the slot and dominate from that position. But you got a guy, Nicole Roby Coleman, who's a proven veteran and has only given up six touchdowns the last three years. You can't you can't write a better thing than that. His his he has Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's fine. I mean, he dude, he's had an an above seventy four Coverage grade in PFF every year. Uh, I love that move. So you have cornerback one slotted down. You have the nickel slotted down. Whoever wins cornerback two is going to benefit from this. 
I know you're going to go into this point in a minute, and I, I tend to agree if injuries happen, but I still think they want to see what they have at safety. Uh, but, yeah, that's where I am at. I mean, look, Avante Maddox, he did play well at corner in 2018 sparingly. If, sparingly if, while if the Eagles there. didn't sign Darius Slay, who would win number one? Oh. It, it'd be Avante Maddox. Would have to be, unfortunately. <laughs> it would, and I know that's sad, but and I was starting to brace myself for it. I'm just like, whatever, the pass rush will take care of it. But then going out, yeah, like you said, moving on and getting Darius Slay, and then Nikhil. It's yes, you have two. You have two of the three corners just locked down. Um, I think you can hide a number two corner. I mean, it, it's it's, and I I don't think Maddox or Jones is that bad. Whoever's healthy. Um, and I think that's what the team wants is I think they're going to go into training camp. If it happens, I'm praying it happens. Fingers crossed. I think they're going to, going to, going to go into training camp, hoping that one of them to kind of takes over locks down the position. But if they don't, we all know Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. And I think Jalen Mills will, um, take over if both of those guys are struggling. And I did not think that until the Kavon Wallace draft pick, um, when you have McLeod, and you have Wallace, and you have um, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Will Parks. Um, you just have a bunch of guys who are kind of positionless. Um, and if you have a number one guy, it, it 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 makes it so much easier for your safeties, especially for how often the Eagles run single high. Um, a guy like McLeod, he doesn't have to worry about both, both his corners getting beat. He could say, "Hey, Darius Slay." I can kind of shade to my right and I can kind of shade to my, 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 my cornerback number two and kind of help out over there while Darius Slay takes that over on the other side. Um, so this defense is, it's, it, it's so much more, it adds so much ver- more versatility um, blitz packages. This defense should be a lot of fun this year. Um, I'm pumped to see. I agree. It, 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 it uh, should be like legitimately top 10. Javon Hargay was an elite addition. Hopefully he stays healthy because you put the best defensive tackle you've ever had next to Fletcher Cox, to be quite honest with you. Mm. I love Javon Hargrave. That's a huge interior presence to have for, for Cox to benefit from. And not only that, for Barnett to benefit from. Because Barnett usually wins with the uh, outside, inside uh, rushes because he sucks at bull rushes. I, I would not be surprised if Barnett leads the league – or the league – leads the team in sacks because of the attention everybody else is going to get. He should be single it could every happen. time. It could, yeah, and not only that, the left tackle is going to be forced to chip Hargrave at some point, yeah. which is going to give Barnett more outside leverage. So I could definitely see it too. Dude, but and getting pressure from the middle, both guys, <laughs> dude, it is it is look. I'm excited. So the best thing that you mentioned about the secondary though is the versatility. So it's really matchup depending. Mm-hmm. They have a secondary now that where if you're playing the Saints and you got Michael Thomas lined up in the slot. You might want to put Kayvon Wallace or, or uh, Jalen Mills on him. Mm-hmm. You, you might not want to put Roby Colbin on him just because of the size. You might want to put Roby Colbin on uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. So it's that's where I'm going with that. I'm not going to go keep talking about which team that they can do that to. Because the Cowboys, too, uh, you're going to see Gallup in the slot. You're probably going to want to put a more versatile guy like maybe Kayvon Wallace on him. You get my point. Yeah. So I love it from the versatility standpoint. But, look, City Jones, the last two games – 
he, he, he kind of showed, showed us a little bit something. He was targeted nine times, only gave up three completions for 15 yards. Sidney Jones right now games. is thrown into the same category for me as Vinnie Curry. You know, you could you could pull up stats of, you know, pass rush productivity. You could pull up. You right, know, I'm kind of out on it. No, right. but I'm, I'm you. I mean, I'm high on Jones. I think Sidney Jones is a good corner, but, like, at the end of the day, I'm over getting hyped over two games and then him being right. like, oh, my gosh, my hamstring. Like, bro. I need five or six games in a row. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. So the injuries with him, number one, and then the confidence, That's it's never thing. there. Then you can see you can um, you can see when you see pull up like you watch all for nothing, right? Yeah. The Eagles. Yeah. You can see with his head down a lot. Bro, he just he, that was the biggest eye opening thing for me, other than how much I love Brandon Graham. But Sidney Jones. The thing about Maddox is he has the heart. Yep. If he gets beat, he's going to come back next play at least do something. Yeah. I can't trust that with Sidney Jones at this point. And not only that. The question with Maddox is, I mean, obviously the size, which I'm not really a huge size person. I'm if you either. play, you, you can play, you can play. But, I mean, he might still be a slot corner, though. He might still be a slot corner. But I will say, from the stretch where he played corner in 2018, which was sparingly, I think it was only like uh, 200 and something snaps he played at corner on the outside, he didn't give up a touchdown. He only gave up a couple, 218 yards. His passer rating uh, was 59 when targeted. There was a little bit there. I thought he had a sophomore slump a little bit, let's be honest. Uh, his coverage grades weren't that great with PFF anyways do you the think, first two years. Do you but think Cravon LeBlanc makes a team? It's going to be tough now. That's a cuddle contract, and they have a lot of nickel corners. Yep. Uh, but but they go through a lot of injuries in that secondary. So, But how many corners can you keep And when we're talking about versatility – and how it's many, too early, man. Yeah. I'm not getting it's too no, early. No, I, like, yeah, yeah. I, Just off the top, because I like LeBlanc and I'm just I do too, but there's gonna be a lot signing, of interesting signing Roby Coleman. Signing Roby Coleman tells me Howie Roseman's like, I want my Patrick Robinson back. Yeah. And this guy was very, very affordable. And so cheap, he's man. better. Yeah, he's he was incredibly affordable. And let's face it, he's better. He's one of the better nickel corners in the league. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That addition, along with the guy that you have the legit number one now, Kayvon Wallace can match the amount of snaps that you put Malcolm Jenkins in the box last year because majority of Malcolm Jenkins' snaps on the football field were done in the box. Mm-hmm. So you could see Kayvon Wallace do that. Uh, Jalen Mills, you can move him around a corner. You can move him around safety. He can come up in the box. He's a good in run recognition. And then Will Parks is Will Parks. I don't. I don't. I think a lot of people are more higher on him than I am. I think he's a good depth. Guy at this point, because look, with you. I don't. You had you had points when you had Marcus Epps out there, so I don't <laughs> mind them loading up on depth. Let's be honest. I don't want to see Corey Graham's to the Sendejos of the world anymore. If you need that guy, that if an injury happens, if you need better depth at this point, you got Will Parks for one million dollars. Great, but I don't think he's as mo- great as everybody's saying he is. I think Mills can be better, dude. I think, dude, he was he was great at LSU at safety. I thought one hundred percent. So. He's finally back at safety. He can go in the slot when he needs to. He definitely has eyes of a safety, not a corner. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I, I, because I, he's always has his eyes on the quarterback. Yes, he always has his eyes he, on the quarterback. He could so be fun at safety could be yes. I think he could. I, I'm not going to get my hopes up either on him. Like like you said, I'm not going to be like the Vinny Curry and they the Jones themselves. and Nelson Aguilar of the world. They protect themselves. Yeah, exactly. So. I'm confident in this defense this year. I am. I don't. I. I think losing Jenkins is just losing leadership at this point. I think you could replace his production. I lose love a whole much Jenkins. as far as on the field production. No, I agree. And I love Jenkins more than anyone, but it, it was. Would time. it be nice to have him? Yes, but that money that you he wanted in here, eight million. Which that, yeah, that contract they pretty much gave it to Slay's cap number this year. Ruby Coleman, 
Which and I would then, rather uh, have. Give me a lockdown corner. You got Mills back, and then you got Parks. Yeah. So you 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 chose quantity over quality, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I still got but, pretty good quality in Slay. I'm saying Slay's gonna lock it down, man. They're gonna play. He so here's the thing and about Slay that I'll talk about real quick. I, so I wrote a, dog. <laughs> I wrote about I wrote about Darius Slay and why I thought he's gonna kill it in Philadelphia this year. He played. He was the third most in uh, man press snaps in the NFL because that's what Patricia does because he's from the New England because Gilmore was first. And I mean, I don't want to say it's not his game because he can do it well. But when he hurt his hamstring in the middle of the season uh, in Detroit, I mean, back in Week Three, and it hampered him the whole entire season. If that you can't play man coverage with a bad hammy with wide receivers. You can't play Especially speeder right? guys, faster guys. Yeah, exactly. And he still did. He still did at a good rate. He's going to be healthy now. He's going to play a good mix of zone where he's been in a lead zone corner. Yeah, bro. He's, he's 29, dude. He's old, bro. He's old. No, bro. I don't care. Yeah, I hate when people say that. <laughs> Look, because people are like, well, the Eagles are doing the youth movement now. They moved on from Michael Jenkins. I, I, like, I argue they moved on from Michael Jenkins because his age and how his production was meaning his age. And what he wanted in money when they flipped it into like four players. So, oh man, dude, Slay's gonna kill it this year. I, they finally got a number one corner. That's why I, I'm not too like you said. I'm not too worried about the cornerback number two. They're gonna be facing the the second, the third wide receiver uh, every game. You would hope it's a good opportunity for them. And I think the nickels position is gonna be locked out now. The Cole Ruby Coleman, I love it, love it, it. love what the Eagles are doing. This defense should be on fun. defense. Defense will be fun. Offense will be fun too. All right, Tyler. So, yeah, it's well. We're gonna have more episodes. We'll continue talking about it all. But just give everybody the at man. Tell them what's up because you know you're gonna start sharing this pod too, man. This is our thing. Uh, if you guys want um, some uh, some tweets, uh, T Steggy <laughs> NFL, T Steggy NFL. <laughs> it's not Steege. It is Steggy. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I often. Call out shitty takes because I hate them. Um, <laughs> I just hate hot takes, man. If you're going to have a hot take, you better have a reason for it. That's all. Um, but we live in a time where, like, information is right at our palms. They're right at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you're going to tweet bullshit, um, <laughs> you better have something to defend it. Because there's a lot of intelligent people on the internet. There's also a lot of dummies. So, um, But, no, I'm excited about this podcast, dude. I, I, I really do appreciate mm-hmm. you reaching out. and. Um, I, I can't wait for for you, uh, Johnny, and I to to be able to hop on all together, and it'll be it'll be good. Yeah, we'll try to get one episode a week, maybe two if we get lucky, because I know we're all busy people. But we'll talk birds. We're gonna be bickering. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. All right, welcome back to the show, Connor. Here, my co-host Johnny Page has now joined the show. He's ready to discuss his film pieces that he did on a breakdown of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Derek Barnett. Johnny, let's go, man. You excited for the new podcast? Yeah, it's been a while. I haven't done any of his podcasts in about three years, I think. I was trying to work out how long it's been. So I took a little bit took a little bit of a break from writing, took a little bit of a break from the podcast, but it's good to uh, get back. Yeah, these are probably my favorite pieces to do, actually, because it's so hard to break down individual players during the season. You try your best, but you're always trying to look at a general overview. So it's nice just to watch three, four games of tape and just say, I'm just going to watch one player and nothing else. And obviously, you notice other bits and bobs but you're just focusing on a single player. So I feel like you get a better read in the off season. Me personally, I get a better read on these players 
than I do during the season. So yeah, one piece out on JJ, I second white side. And I'll have one out on Derek Barnett, probably with him in the next week or two, but I've pretty much done the film for him already. So with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, a lot of people don't know what he is as a wide receiver. Uh, very disappointing rookie season. I think a lot of people want to make excuses for it and say, oh, I mean, injuries he had now since he came out in the interview and said he was hurt, uh, learned so many different positions, was forced to play before he was ready because of injuries, everything under the sun. To me, it sounds like we're doing another Nelson Aguilar excuse for a wide receiver not living up to expectations all over again, if you ask me. What did you see when you watched J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's film that maybe we don't have that perspective on? Uh, because to me, I, I, people are going to hate this because I know a lot of people want to have optimism for him as a wide receiver, but you draft three wide receivers, you added Marquise Goodwin, Whatever J.J. Arcega-Whiteside can give you at this point, I'm fine with it. It looks like Alshon's going to be on the team at this point. So uh, I'm not relying on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I would argue the Eagles aren't either with how many additions they had a wide receiver. What was your take on him when watching the film? Are you still having a little bit of hope, or what are you feeling, Johnny? Yeah, so we can discuss him a little bit. If you've read the piece uh, on Being Green Nation, you'll see sort of a lot of clips that I used to come to my conclusion. Um, J.J. isn't... Uh, firstly, actually, before I even get into him, I will mention we were discussing off air before we even had the show how many snaps JJ actually played last year. He played nearly 500 snaps last year, uh, over 400 snaps out wide and about 60 in the slot or something. So I actually have quite a good read of him. He barely ever got targeted. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but sweat happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart Store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. But when you're watching the All-22, you can see him a lot. Like, I've watched a lot of snaps. Um, and the worrying thing is, to me, he looked about the same player as he did at the start of the year as when he did at the end of the year. So there's this idea now, was he injured? Was he hurt? At the end of the day, what can we do? We can't comment on that. We're just watching film uh, as analysts. I'm pretty sure every single NFL player plays hurt a lot more than they let on. He was barely ever on the injury report. So as much as some people might not want to hear that, I'm going to try and ignore the injuries for the evaluation because it's very difficult to do anything but that. Um, there's also this other idea that he played a lot of different positions. And again, I must admit, that's an argument that gets thrown around on Twitter a ton. Uh, as I said, he played about 60 snaps in the slot. The rest of his time, he was playing the X or the Z. If Alshon was on the field, he normally played the Z. If Alshon wasn't there, he normally played the X. I mean, I'm not sure what else you want uh, Doug to really do with him. You have to teach receivers more than one position these days. The way the Eagles offense runs, you can't just say, right, you're the Z, you're going to stay there forever. Because then what happens if Alshon gets injured? What's happened to Tishon Jackson doesn't get uh, injured? There's so many different factors to go in. You have to teach 
uh, different players, sort of different things. So I find that narrative a bit odd. Um, I haven't totally given up because it'd be mad to totally give up with something in the second round after one year. But uh, in terms of strengths, I think that what we already saw coming out of college, uh, he's quite a big receiver. He's got good body control. So you can see him go down low and make a few catches. Uh, there's one catch that sticks out, I believe, against the Cowboys when he wins over the middle. I think the first snap of the game when he managed to sort of bend his body and catch the ball uh, sort of behind him. There is good positives. He's probably, because as much as you said Alshon could return, um, he's still not going to be there for the first half of the season. So if the Eagles want a big threat in the red zone that's not their tight ends, JJ Arcega-Whiteside is that guy. There's no one else really on the roster who has that role. Biggest problem for me, and I mentioned this throughout the film piece, I don't know if you agree with this as well, is, or not really agree with it, but agree with schematically what I think the problem with him is, is yes, we know he's a bit slow out of his breaks. He has zero vertical threat. And I mean, absolutely no vertical threat. You can watch multiple clips of him where when he runs a double move, quarterbacks don't even buy it. When he runs downhill, quarterbacks don't even really have to turn around and run with him. It's, it's just easy. You see clips of quarterbacks just sitting on the short stuff and that makes it so hard to get open. And someone in the comments said to me, and this is where I want to hear your perspective, uh, JJ Segarossa's never going to run past quarterbacks. He's never a burner. So why does it matter if he's got that explosive speed or not? And my point was, you have to at least have something to at least make that cornerback think you have a chance of going deep. If the cornerback just sits there the whole time and is never, ever afraid of getting beat deep, then you have to be such a good route runner to win on the outside. Because the cornerback knows there's barely any space on the outside. He's not really got to watch that. Um, he knows he's got the sideline there. The sideline is his friend. Um, so if you can't threaten deep, at all and I don't think he could friend deep at all I don't think there was ever a time he ran past a corner back on a deep route and you thought wow he looks fast there um that is my biggest concern to him and I think there's also a big concern about do the Eagles actually want a player like that anymore because if you look at the players they drafted they are all explosive downfield threats um and they obviously traded for one in Marcus Goodwin so that is my biggest concern with JJ I know it's a bit of a long rant there um, but basically, I see him as a void, as someone who could fill a role as a big body over the middle of the field in the red zone, but realistically, not much else. So when you referred to the Dallas game that he had that catch on Chipotle uh, Wuze, uh, that big catch that you were talking about, the thing, because you and I both talk about it for, uh, man, weeks. We've had this conversation in the in DMs on Twitter. He his he has cement feet, man. He he's not a good route runner. I don't think he's ever going to be that route runner just because he looks so stiff and oh, he looks rough coming out of those breaks. I to me, the best thing you can hope for at this point with JJ Arcega Whiteside is he gives you a Riley Cooper type impact. Uh, Riley Cooper was I don't want to say the perfect jump ball guy, but he that was his game. Uh, he wasn't a starting caliber wide receiver because he could run routes, and I would argue JJ Arcega Whiteside can't either. The, way, the the catch that you're referring to against Dallas is my favorite catch of his also on film is because he won with his position. He used his body to do twin outside leverage to get that catch. Uh, that's not always going to happen. Jabodi Uze was awful last year. So it, that's not always going to happen against outfield caliber corners. And that's why I see him struggling. And not only that, you, you gave him that jump ball opportunity against Detroit and he dropped it. So... The confidence is already shot there. You saw when he interviewed with uh, the media, he was already saying the coaching had me doing all these certain things. I never knew what I was going to do during uh, the Pacific week. And everybody wants to take his side for this. But I'm like, dude, it's the NFL. Like you just said, you need to learn to play multiple positions in the NFL, especially as a wide receiver. The Eagles already pigeonholed themselves with Jordan Matthews when they knew that they couldn't use him anywhere but the slot. They had to they had to regrettably figure that out with Nelson Aguilar, too, that he couldn't be effective anywhere 
but the slot, and they were forced to play him outside a lot due to injuries to Mike Wallace, due to injuries to Alshon Jeffrey. So, look, I I just – I know he's a second-round pick. I know you highlighted the ways you can win with him in the red zone and stuff, which is the ways you could win with Riley Cooper too, to be honest with you. I don't think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is a piece that you can build on moving forward. And luckily, in my opinion, at least they had two second-round picks that year, and they crushed the other one. So, yeah, what do you think? That's my thing. What do you think, Come about the idea that I had at the end of the piece? And this was something that a few people commented on in the comments on BGN. Um, I said at the end, I always do like a little strengths, weakness, and then transition. And I said, I wonder, and this is not based on a lot of film study, because I said he played about 60 snaps there last year. Do you think he could transition to the slot? And I'm not saying a starting role because you're never going to have it. You don't want, we've seen, as you mentioned, Joel Matthews, you don't want your slot to just be slow. Dishon Jackson's going to play loads in the slot next year. Jalen Ray will probably play in the slot next year. Uh, Greg Woodall will take snaps. But by a slot by committee, sometimes you might be going up against a five foot nine cornerback in the slot. You never know. Do you think that could be a better role for him, being like a mismatch piece rather than a starter on the outside? Right, that's exactly where I was going to go with that, was the mismatch, Peach, because at this point, the Eagles pigeonhole one wide receiver into the slot. They're doing a disservice to their offense, and it's been proven that time and time again. They need the the matchup versatility that they could have there. Uh, you could either get a bigger slot nowadays, bigger nickel corner nowadays, or even just a safety lineup in the nickel. You're going to want the elusive guys like Deshaun Jackson that's going to beat that safety that's not going to be able to keep up with him. Uh, Jalen Rieger, Hightower even, uh, Goodwin. Stuff like that. But when you get a guy like – I just want to use an example for who the Eagles have at uh, nickel corner now. Nicole Roby Coleman, a, a smaller guy yeah. that's that really pushes you and gives you uh, trouble at the line of scrimmage so he can keep up with you downfield. You're going to want a guy like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside who can win with his position and his frame over that type of corner. So, yes, yes, that's exactly where I would go with that, especially in the red zone. Uh, you, he's going to have a linebacker, maybe a safety lineup for him, a lineup for him in the red zone, but – I would take advantage of that ma- uh, that matchup for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Just because I don't, I don't, I don't see him as a starter at this point. It when you draft JJ Arcega Whiteside last year, you're convincing yourself he's the Alshon Jeffrey replacement. So in that in that sense, you're saying he's going to be the next Eagles X wide receiver. And no, I have no faith in that going forward from what he showed. Aaron Moorhead can develop all he wants. I'm, I, I have a lot of faith in Aaron Moorhead, Aaron Moorhead as a wide receivers coach. I love players who were death guys like Doug Peterson was that are forced to learn so many nuances of the game that maybe starters don't have to learn because they have to find a way to get on the field. And that's what Aaron Moorhead did with the Indianapolis Colts. I, and he's been a great college uh, wide receiver coach. He, the, he has a very young group to deal with now because I think, as you and I have stated before on other podcasts, I doubt Deshaun Jackson's here next year. I doubt Alshon Jeffries here next year at least. So when you're going into 2021, you're looking at Jalen Rieger, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and then some kids at wide receiver. So you want a guy who's been able to prove in, to develop college wide receivers to do the same at the NFL level. So I think Aaron Moorhead gives them a great guy in doing so. Uh, he meet, he checks all the boxes for me so far from what I've read about him, from what Mike K of uh, Benjay.com has said about him uh, on my uh, on another football podcast. But it, I don't know. If you're going to go off what film showed you last year, Jason, and then not only that, you look at the, the career numbers of guys who started off their NFL career, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has, is 160 yards, only 19 targets while playing 500-something snaps. The the future doesn't look bright for him going off of those numbers alone. Uh, the film doesn't show me that much. I know a lot of people want to break down some good things that he's done that maybe Carson Wentz didn't target him on. I would argue that Carson Wentz lost faith in him as well and didn't trust him enough And because you know how Carson Wentz is with Zach Ertz. He completely trusts him the most on the field. 
Dallas Goddard at times, but you obviously tell the number one person he trusts on the field is Zach Ertz and that he'll heavily go to him because of that trust. He didn't trust JJ. And I mean, he started to build that trust with Greg Ward too, because you would start see him start throwing to Greg Ward more. Uh, there was points in times where you take JJ Arcega White out of the field and Robert Davis and Deontay Burnett get, got called off the practice squad this following weekend and get more snaps over him on that certain game. Um, yeah. I mean, at this point, if he gives you a Riley Cooper type impact, that's the best you're getting from him, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's less than ideal. It's not what you want from a second round pick. And the final thing I'll say on JJ, and then we'll move on to uh, someone else, um, is that whenever you get players who have really bad first years, um, and let's be honest, however you want to defend him, it was a terrible first year. I don't think anyone can say anything different. I always think it's worth going back to their college tape and say and looking, is this reflective of who the player was? So if they're doing something totally different, then maybe you think maybe they are injured. And I'm not saying this because I was slightly down on JJ pre-draft. That was my own opinion. I liked him. I had a third round grade. I think he was my wide receiver 10 um, that year, but I wasn't as high. I felt the second round was a bit of a reach. And when I looked at my college notes, one of the things I said was not explosive, doesn't run by NFL corners, so won't get on top of them and will rely on jump balls rather than actually winning downfield. And that is a problem. So when you have someone where the tape for the first year matches the college tape, the easy thing is to say, let's blame the wide receivers coach. But arguably, he is who he is now. He was, wasn't that different in college. And it's just a lot harder in the NFL to win jump balls consistently. And also, like we've seen, um, if Wentz doesn't trust you, you're not going to get a lot of those jump balls. Wentz isn't a really aggressive thrower, but he's not a jump ball thrower. I think people get a bit confused. Nick Foles always used to trust Alshon more than that. Wentz will throw it really tight in the middle of the field. He will take incredibly tight windows. But he actually doesn't like just looking at a big guy on the outside and going, let's throw it up. It's not really been a heavy part of the Eagles' offense with Carson Wentz there. So I don't really see that fit either. So overall on JJ, I'm with you. Maybe he becomes a big body on the outside. I wouldn't mind him transitioning to a mismatch in the slot. And you take what you can get with him because he was a second round pick. So he's probably going to make the roster. And I say probably because I don't even think that's a guarantee. But you keep him there next year and you try and get as much as you can out of him so he doesn't become a complete waste uh, of a draft pick. Right, but that's the thing, though. If he wasn't a second-round pick, if he was one of these practice squad guys like Robert Davis and, and Burnett was, he's cut. So draft capital is definitely a reason why he's he's staying on board. But like you said with Wentz, Wentz is an aggressive quarterback, but he won't take those chances unless he at least sees some type of separation in his mind. Go back to 2017, Aguilar and Torrey Smith were getting a ton of separation downfield from uh, their positions, and that's when he would let it rip. Deshaun Jackson week one versus the Redskins – ton of separation on Josh Norman. We'll let it rip. Only reason why he's going to do that is if you see some sort of separation downfield and you don't get that in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, as we know. Uh, they added up so many wide receivers you can get that from. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard being your main possession guys. I don't know. It it looks tough. It's, it's a make-or-break year for him, honestly. Yeah, I, I understand he's only going into his second season. New wide receiver coach already. Has this pandemic now where he had the biggest offseason of his career, I would argue, already up to this point, and he's not even going to be able to have the full experience because of the uh, coronavirus. Yeah, I'm with you, though. Uh, if you can get him in the slot, win on mismatches or uh, advantages, let him run the intermediate stuff and get eat up all the yak that he can while these guys are burning uh, zone coverage downfield. I wasn't that high on J.J. coming out of the draft because of the jump ball stuff because, again – you're looking at the Pac-12. You're not playing that much press coverage. Like in the NFL, you're going to be playing a ton of press coverage. And if you're winning these jump balls on zone, that's completely different than winning these jump balls on man coverage. And it wasn't there last year, as we as we saw. 
whatever he can give you at this point is an added bonus to me. You had a second round pick that year that you absolutely crushed your ball, Sanders. I'm going to be able to live with the high risk mistake if it ends up being a mistake at the end of the day because of that uh, Miles Sanders pick. But let's move on, man. Let's talk about Derek Barnett. A lot of people, it's funny, you see on Twitter, it's either Derek Barnett has worked out for the Eagles because he recovered that fumble in the Super Bowl or because he forced that fumble against the Vikings NFC Championship. Those plays alone make it worth it as a top 15 pick as in the first round. Look, I don't think Barnett is flat out awful. Like people will flat out say he's awful. Like he's not a good player. I just don't think he is a great player. I think he's a serviceable starter that you're not going to want to be your three down defensive end. Um, good. I think he's good against run defense. I th- I would say that for him. He's good against the run. Uh, his PFF grades against the run his first two seasons were above 75. So that's good. Last year, he took a little downfall towards the run. I would argue he was last year he looked awful, but he was coming off injury. I think this year he will be fully back from that ACL, so you're going to get a little bit better of a player out of him. And you're hoping Javon Hargrave stays healthy so he has that defensive tackle interior presence that uh, lets him win more outside-inside leverage on the offensive tackle who has to chip block Javon Hargrave because their guard can't handle him. That's what my hope for Derek Barnett is this year. Other than that, definitely has not lived up to the top 15 pick. Definitely is not a guy that – because when you, when you spend a top 15 pick on a defensive end, you want him to be in every down defensive end. Uh, a lot of people want to talk about also how Brandon Graham started off his Eagles career. He started off with injuries, but he also started off with the fact that that team was stacked at the defensive end position where they didn't want to take Jason Babin off the field. They didn't want to take Trent Cole off the field. And then Chip Kelly comes in. They get Connor Barwin. They don't want to take Connor Barwin off the field. They don't want to take – Trent Cole off the field until he finally decides Brandon Graham's time is to replace Trent Cole. That's why Brandon Graham's career really started slow. It was his injury and then being pushed down the Jeff chart. And then you saw the player that he can actually be when he came in and became a full-time starter. Derek Barnett's been a full-time starter. The Eagles handed in the reins. Jim Schwartz loves the guy. He's a complete defensive end in perspective of him being good against the run. Definitely lacks that as a pass rusher. I thought coming out he'd be better in a 3-4 base defense, uh, uh, defensive uh, scheme so he could stand up and rush the uh, offensive tackle and win with more outside and inside leverage instead of bull rushing the tackle like we talked about in the group chat. I thought he's a really bad bull rusher, and now he comes into the NFL and he has not been good against the bull rush. I know you're going to bring up a Pacific time, so I'm going to let you have that. But, yeah, it hasn't changed the NFL they got Matt Burke in now for the defensive line coach, so you're hoping maybe a change in the perspective makes him better in that aspect of the bull rush. Uh, you, like I said, the best thing about this now is he's not playing against, uh, he's not playing next to a makeshift defensive tackle. He gets Javon Hargrave. You're hoping stays healthy. Malik Jackson comes in at times too. Maybe the interior guard isn't as good that's playing them, so the offensive tackle has to chip block those guys, which gives him more outside leverage to win on to get after the quarterback. That's all you're hoping for at Barnett at this point. Uh, not not an every-down starter. Yeah, we're going to have to start bringing up some players where we disagree, but I've pretty much got the same opinion after what I've watched. And Barnett's a weird player because he's played so much, and like you said, with the ACL injury, it is worth taking that into consideration because ACLs can be a nightmare to come back from. Um, it's really it's a two-year. It's a two-year thing yeah, to come back from. Yeah, exactly. So it's worth like sort of taking into consideration. But he, when I post lines about him on Twitter, you get some people just said say he's really good because he recovered that fumble because his sack numbers are sort of okay-ish. I mean, they're in the single digits, but he gets a few here and there. 
Um, and then you get people saying he's flat out not good. And I think that's unfair. To say he's flat out not good is harsh, like you said. He's fine. He is a serviceable starter. If he is your starting defensive end, do you want to upgrade? Yes. Are you desperate to upgrade to the extent that you put huge resources in upgrading? No. He's fine. Um, the Eagles don't need him to be a star because they've still got Graham Cox and Hargreaves and others, so they can get by with him being average. Um, but that's all he is. He's an average player. I mean, I watched him last year. Um, and I watched three games in depth already, and I watched one or two more before I released a film piece. Uh, first two I watched were against uh, the Lions, and he played against Taylor Decker and David Bakhtiari of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Taylor Decker, and again, I'm not exactly scouting him loads, so I'm using PFF for this, was the 27th best pass protector um, in the NFL, and David Bakhtiari was second best. So Bakhtiari's got a very, very good grade. Uh, and he just didn't really win. Bakhtiari, he just won every sort of uh, with ease. Bakhtiari won pretty much every rep except maybe one rep. I remember Barnett winning, except for that Bakhtiari had no problem. Um, what Barnett is good at, and I will give him credit for, is he has a plays, he always plays hard. He's a lot, and I think that's why Schwartz likes him. He plays with a lot, a lot of hustle. You'll see him chase down quarterbacks on the edge. You'll see him uh, sort of dive on a ball, even when it's obvious someone's already recovered it. Sometimes that goes a bit too far, and he plays a little bit dirty. We've seen a few hits. The one against the Packers comes out uh, to mind. But I think he has that Schwartz mentality of sort of constant hustle always going for it and he will always try sort of 100% on every play which I think that's why Schwartz likes him because of a pass rusher he's just average um, he's an, he's an average if, if anything actually last year he was a below average pass rusher I think Vinnie Curry was quite significantly better on third down the difference is uh, Brand- um, sorry Vinnie Curry is not as good against the run as Barnett Barnett is very steady against the run he wasn't great last year he got moved a little bit against the Lions I was watching but it wasn't terrible you can line him up on first and second down and you can feel comfortable that you're getting a decent run defender um so he's not a huge issue there. The problem, as you mentioned, is that, um, and it's funny you mentioned him lining up, actually, sorry, because we're standing up, sorry, uh, in a 3-4, because there's a few snaps last year where he stood up and he looked pretty good. So that's something Schwartz might want to consider at times, because uh, there was a couple of times he went inside um, from a stand-up position where he looked quite good. His spin move was really poor at the start of the year. He started to develop that going forward. His ball rush move is non-existent, does not have the power to push uh, defensive tackles back into the quarterback and actually quite a lot of the time he doesn't even collapse the pocket and um, there was a couple of examples where quarterbacks were able to run straight past him because he was engaged and couldn't get off his block um, he used to have that bend and that sort of dip move uh, where he used a chop and sort of get on the outside but you didn't see that as much last year which was a disappoint which was disappointing um, and in the three games I watched he had two sacks for example one of them was where a tight end tried to block him well yeah he'd beat the tight end but you'd expect a sign defensive end to beat the tight end and the second time was on a stunt against the Giants, against uh, Nate Solder, where actually it was um, Cox took away the tackle in the guard and Barnett just ran inside. It wasn't anything to do with his own play. So Barnett's a bit of a concern for me because he's going to be the starting defensive end next year and he's fine, he's average, he's not a worry. But if the Eagles want to be really, really good next year, I think their defensive line is going to have to be exceptional. I think it will have to carry the team. So what you want is for him to sort of take that next step. Maybe he needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, but the problem with him getting stronger is the biggest worry I probably had out of overall was a lack of explosiveness, a lack of first step quickness. In the NFL, if you're going to win outside against athletic left tackles, you're going to have to have a very, very good get off. And a couple of times he would judge the snap perfectly and he'd get off well. But except for that, you didn't really see initial burst. So that was something that scared me about him coming out in college. I think, as you know, when you break down the edge defenders, you need to win in the first three steps. That's basically it. By that third step, you need to have already won the rep. And yes, you can win by getting your hands off later on in the rep, but it's harder. If you're going to win outside, you need to win within the first two seconds of that snap. By the time you hit your third step, you need to basically be at a good leverage. Barnett rarely had that. I think good offensive tackles couldn't 
block him quite easily. So he's fine. I don't think he's as bad as people say. Some people, I don't think he's as good as other people say just because he happens to land on a fumble. Um, the one thing I would say as well is when he has a bad rep, it seems to be a terrible rep. Like he just gets completely nullified. He doesn't, there's no like second win. There's no, once you get your hands inside him and you take him out of the play, he's out of the play. Um, you don't see any sort of think later on in the rep. So he's an interesting player because he's going to start. He's going to get a lot of snaps next year. But I think if the Eagles defensive line is going to be really good, ideally you want him to get better because he's going to get favorable looks. He's not going to get double, He's not going to get chopped by or chipped by running backs. He's not going to get doubled by tight ends. He gets one-on-one basically every play because they're moving double coverage and double teams inside to Cox. Um, and they will be for Hargrave next year as well. So he always gets one-on-one with a left tackle. So he's got opportunities to win. And I think he needs to take a few more of them next year, or I imagine the Eagles will look to upgrade that position more heavily uh, the following off season. Yeah, they would have to at that point, especially given his contract. They're not going to give him a second contract if he keeps looking like this. They can't. You can't. Like like you said, look, at this point, he's going into his fourth season. I do want to take the ACL into account because I think that's what affected his bad move this past year. I think he'll be more fluid now going, especially with all this rest he's getting now. But I don't think he's ever going to be good in the bull rush. I don't – I. A player, you, it's it's time to call a spade a spade. He showed it in college. Now he's going into his fourth season in the NFL, and he looks has no clue to even develop any type of bull rush. Uh, and the thing about Taylor Decker and David uh, Bakhtiari, they're not going to give you the inside outside leverage. Uh, I remember Taylor Decker great at, at Ohio State. David Bakhtiari came out of nowhere and was great for the Packers. That, uh, but he, they're both really strong guys that aren't going to give you that inside outside leverage. They're going to challenge you straight up with their power. And you need to have a bull rush against them. So that that's the thing. If Tyron Smith is more health, it was healthier than he is now in his career. He he would also be giving Barnett huge problems. And the thing is, you look at Brandon Graham because I I hate when people make the comparison that Brandon Graham started off slow, so maybe Barnett will too. Brandon Graham always looked as a better pass rusher than Derek Barnett ever has, though. That's the problem. So at this point, average starter, you can't have him down on every down. You need to bring Vinny Curry back, especially on pass rushing downs. My thing is that I was going to ask you is because you did notice on the film, and I noticed it too during games last year, especially against the Bills. I remember him specifically standing up and rushing the Josh Allen against the Bills. If if you continue to use him in that sense, and then you're hoping Javon Hargrave takes that presence where the, the offensive tackle has to chip him to help out the interior guard, and then Barnett wins with more inside moves, then you can see the sack numbers go up, but then I think people are going to overrate him. Because, like I said, that context, if he's winning with uh, his pass rush with that productivity coming from the inside, the numbers aren't going to reflect the player he is. So I do think people look at his sack numbers like, that's not that bad. He had seven sacks last year. Clowney had three. Yeah. Like, that's where people go with that stuff. And, uh, no, he's an average starter. He's He's nothing – that's the thing, though. You picked him at pick 14. You don't want an average starter. You want a bona fide starter, and the Eagles didn't get that with Barnett. And I expect them to bring back Vinnie Curry any day now. Uh, I think once the Clowney uh, market falls, that domino falls, and ever since Griffith signed, I think Curry goes back to the Eagles just because his market hasn't really came to fruition the way he probably expected it to. But, yeah, you can have him in the first two downs. I wouldn't put him in on third down. My question to you, though, is after watching his film – would you like? Because I would, I would just have to think you're probably in your last couple of years with Brandon Graham, especially with how the cap is looking in 2021. Brandon Graham, when they get on their on their uh, 
on pass rushing downs. I don't know how it's going to look this year with Malik Jackson in, in the fold and Javon Hargrave, but you know you kick Brandon Graham inside when you when you rush the passer. Do you think Barnett could win those opportunities? Do you mean I kind of think he could? So do you mean win inside he, against defensive tackles like yeah, win inside? Do you think? Yes. There's actually a few examples. I, something I'd have to go back and watch more closely. There's a few examples of it last year, and it didn't come to fruition that much, to be honest. Um, the, the, the examples that I watched, I didn't see it too, obviously. The problem I have is, does he have the power? We mentioned it before. The ideal situation mm-hmm. is he beats guards with quickness, and I get that. Um, but I think you have to have a level of power as well. You have to have a, Brandon Graham is a strong dude. Uh, seriously strong yes, dude. Yeah. I think very the, good bull rush for Grand Yeah, I don't think at this point Barnett has the strength to be able to do that. It's an interesting point. I actually personally like your first suggestion more. I like the idea of maybe on third down when there's no running threat, standing him up, uh, letting him take a wider stance and letting him stand up so he can actually get a bit of a head of steam going before he gets to the tackle and many has the option of winning inside out. Um, I would say that the ball rush last year, not the ball rush, uh, the spin move last year did develop quite nicely. So he. I think people used to sort of take the mic a little bit because his spin move was really bad and it was really bad at the start. We had a few snaps, especially later on when I watched a few games, um, that his spin move looked better. So I guess the hope for Barnett is if he can develop that spin move, that will help his outside rush because offensive tackles are going to have to be a little bit careful in setting too far outside. But personally, I don't see Here's the thing with me. I it, was that spin move against Miami off the top of my head? I'm trying was, to... I actually haven't watched the Miami game. I've got it down to watch he... one of them. Lots okay, well, he there. destroyed the offensive tackle in Miami. He he caused a lot of pressure that game, but it was Julian Davenport. Yes. So who's not an NFL starter, and they just replaced him in Miami this year in the first round with Austin Jackson. So my pro that's where you, here's where people get lost in these stats and these numbers that PFF gives us, and I use them too. Yeah. But I I but you have to take them with a grain of salt and watch the film yourself and see how did he win with these moves. Why did he produce this well? And then you look at Miami, it's Julian Davenport. Offensive tackle just lost his job and wasn't even an NFL starter in the first place. And you see why. So, and they're in a division with, I mean, even with Tyron Smith being as banged up as he is, he's still a very serviceable left tackle. You have Andrew Thomas coming in for New York now, who you would hope plays, replaces Nate Soldier immediately, a left tackle, who is a pretty powerful guy. Barnett's not going to win against him much. Washington, you're good with now because they just traded away Trent Williams. They got Shaquille Charles out of LSU, who is another big, brooding guy. Who, if he does become an NFL starter, Barnett's going to have to win with against the Bull Rush, which I don't. It's, it's too soon to even call that guy's career anything, anyways. At this point, you would hope he beats him. A third round pick out of LSU, you would hope Barnett beats him. But uh, the first two guys I mentioned, that's going to be tough against the division. You look at all the top teams, the playoff teams in the NFL. 49ers just got Trent Williams. I don't see Barnett winning many pass rush reps against him. Uh, Packers have David Barkley. I don't see them winning much against him. Seattle has Dwayne Brown, who hit or miss at this point. Still, it's just, you get my point. Uh, average starter, I wouldn't want him on every down, and I think they need to bring back Randy Curry. Uh, I would like Everson Griffith, but uh, like the cap that we talked about earlier in the episode, you and I talked about it off air, isn't what everybody thinks it is. It's not at the point where they can spend that luxury money on a Javadian Clowney and Everson Griffin. Uh, getting Vinny Curry on your budget deal like you did last year probably is the route they're going to have to take. And then you hope Josh Sweat takes another big jump. But uh, Derek Barnett is not it for me. Average starter. Uh, you, you can be average at some positions, though. He does bring some good things, like you said, as well. Uh, 
for some reason, he's always around on these fumble recoveries. He's at the right place at the right time. That's the hustle. Ball right that's the hustle that I spoke yeah. about. He really so I, I, yeah. everything. I, so I respect – I definitely respect the hustle that he brings you, and that's why he should get the most snaps at defensive end opposite Brandon Graham. I completely agree with that. Uh, they had him rush the pass for 455 snaps last year, played a career high 694. You would think that they lean, they're going to lean on him more like that going forward. Uh, so you hope that the pass rush picks up, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, it's interesting. We could do a whole separate podcast on stats and context because PFF's great, but if you look at things out of context, they're a complete waste of time, as we spoke about. When I watch Barnett, it's a really interesting watch because you can basically see him one-on-one pretty much every snap. As I mentioned, he doesn't get chip-blocked a lot. He's not getting coverage uh, sort of shifted towards him. He's pretty much one-on-one. So looking at who he goes against is really important. If you just watch him against Miami and the Giants and you think, oh, this guy's great, well, he's playing two sub-pass starting tackles. So you've got to watch the whole uh, sort of uh, as much as possible as you possibly can and from what I've seen against good offensive tackles he's not good enough to win against bad offensive tackles he is good enough to win what does that mean you're an average player uh, that's fine as you said you can have average players on your team you ideally don't want to spend the first round on an average player but it's happened uh, he's not it's not like he's a bust he's not like he's looking like JJ is uh, I go white side he's an average starter which is fine but the Eagles philosophy especially under Schwartz I don't think they want to blitz as much as they did last year um, the linebackers aren't good and I think that's a philosophical direction the team takes is the linebackers are not good. And I think they take that direction because they expect the defensive line to carry the team. Look at the resources they put in that defensive line. Brandon Graham, first round pick. Cox, first round pick. Barnett, first round pick. Vinnie Curry was a second round pick. Um, and then obviously they signed Hargrave and others as well over the last few years that were big name players. That defensive line is meant to carry that defense. So ideally, as you've said, you don't want an average player starting out wide. But it's not the end of the world. Derek Barnett is not going to be the reason that the Eagles aren't good next year. He, or, or are, sorry, if they are not good, he's not going to be the reason for that. He is a fine player. Um, he's average. And you just sort of hope uh, they can get in the future, maybe not next year, but going forward, they can start to look at improving that position. Because when BG goes on the other side, then Barnett might start facing more attention. And that's when uh, the Eagles might struggle a lot more than they did last year. Well, here's my thing. Malik Jackson comes back from injury. Let's just because brought this up real quick. Malik Jackson comes back from injury. You, if he ends up playing well, you want to kick him out to probably base end. I would think on pass rushing downs because I, I honestly, I don't know if you watched a lot of Javon Hargrave, but I loved him coming out of college during that 2016 pre-draft. I always had him in the mid rounds going to the Eagles in my mock drafts because I was so obsessed with him. So I, I I absolutely love that they got him. He didn't get a chance to really showcase his interior present uh, pass rush presence that he has, his ability to really get after the quarterback because he was the nose tackle, really eating up space for the edge rushers in in Pittsburgh. So he's going to have a whole different role this year, and I think he's going to be an incredibly productive inside rusher with uh, Fletcher Cox. I think that's their best offseason addition by far. Uh, I like Darius Slay, but Javon Hargrave pairing with Fletcher Cox is their best offseason uh, pick up for me, in my opinion. If Malik Jackson shows you anything, though, you're going to want to get him on the field, correct? So I'm guessing yeah. on pass rushing downs, maybe if they don't bring Curry back, or even if they do bring Curry back, they kick Jackson outside, take Burnett off the field, have Jackson, uh, Hargrave, uh, excuse me, Cox, Graham, Hargrave. I don't know. Yeah, they could do a they could do a ton of things with the D line right now, and it's going to be interesting because, like I highlighted earlier in the show, Matt Burke is in charge of the unit now. 
So we'll see what the difference is for between him and Chris Wilson. Uh, yeah, sorry, Philip Daniels. Yeah, they went for see they've they've been it's the same thing with D line has been going on with wide receiver yeah. coach though. They keep going through these guys, but uh, Matt Burke, I'm I'm excited to see because uh, he was a good defensive coordinator in Miami. I thought he actually did some good things with guys over there that nobody really knew about. So we'll see what happens with the D line this year. He has a lot of options to work with, but I see Barnett being a still a first and second down player. Other than that, average starter. Yeah, I think we'll wrap it up. I think that's interesting. I must admit, I've not really thought about their defensive line in terms of starters and backups and rotational too yet when eventually a training camp ever does start or whatever does start we might hear a little bit more about it but I think it's a fair point that do you want Barnett playing as many third down pass rushing snaps this year as you did last year I don't think it's a bad idea to give him a bit more of a rest and to give maybe someone like Jackson lining up at wide you could even put Cox at defensive end by the way uh, Fletcher Cox can get outside a defensive end like not many defensive tackles can so there's, there's a few things Cox you can and Jackson do. both have, yeah they both have played three four three, four defensive end, which is completely different in a four, three scheme. I completely understand that, but still they can beat offensive tackles. They shown it before in their career. Maybe they do that again. Yeah, There's a few things they can do. Definitely. All right. That's it from the bickering about the birds crew. Connor miles here, Johnny page with me. Uh, we'll be back with another episode as soon after this one, we're going to look to at least bring one episode a week. I know the time differences between Tyler be on the West coast, maybe on the East coast, Johnny being in the UK is going to be tough to deal with, but uh, we're both we're all really excited about the show. We're gonna keep trying to give you guys some good content. Uh, Ed Kras comes on the next show. Be on the lookout for it. Oh yeah, and Johnny, promote your promote your ready man. Come on. Oh yeah, you got some good film people going on for Bleeding Green. Let's yeah, see. at Johnny Page Nine is always on Twitter. Uh, I try and get one out probably about every two weeks in the off season. Depends how much time I get. At the moment, I've got a fair bit of time, but it takes forever to cut clips. So currently, if you go to me, now you've said that, I'll put it as my pin tweet. You can read the one on JJ Sega Whiteside that has lots of Eagles fans going mad. Uh, but there you go. All I say on my film pieces is I try and basically ignore every previous bit of film I've ever watched on them and just study what I'm watching there. And then uh, I try and have no pre sort of draft biases or anything. I just basically say what I think so I try and look at I always look at what other players are doing in similar positions around the league see what I want my receivers to do for example if I'm looking at wide receiver and then try and be as honest and pretend I'm not an Eagles fan while watching the tape and put myself in a general manager's shoes what do I think of this player uh, because there's no point breaking down and being overly positive just because we're Eagles fans otherwise what's the point uh, so I try and be as sort of unbiased as possible so yeah if you want to read them go to my Twitter or go to BGN and you can find me on there Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but sweat happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers, to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.